to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick. And as always, we like to talk about everything in business continuity management, disaster planning, emergency management, crisis communications, and anything related to those topics. As always, uh, as I mentioned in every show, if there's a topic you want us to specifically address or you'd like to be a guest on the show or you have an idea to get someone else on the show, please feel free. Uh, go to the Voice America website and the page for this show, uh, Preparing for the Unexpected, and there's a little button there that says to send the host an email. That'll come straight to me, and you know I'll be in touch with you, and we'll see what we can do about getting you or, or the topic or someone else on the show to speak about your topic. And as a reminder again, uh, if you're in the Toronto area and you're going to be attending the Continu- uh, Continuity and Resilience Today conference, in Toronto, May 29th to 31st, I'll be there. Uh, you'll see me wandering around, I'm sure, with a microphone or something like that. Um, I'll be talking to uh, lots of people. You know, come on by, come and uh, talk to me, and maybe uh, you know I can get you on the show that way. Today's guest is someone I've actually been trying to get on the show for quite some time. Uh, one of the first uh, few people that I reached out to when we started doing this, uh, you know, about nine, ten months ago now. I, and I'm glad to have him here, Mr. Chris Horn, the president of the Business Continuity Institute Canada. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. I'm happy to be here and uh, appreciate the invitation. Well, like I said, uh, you know, you were one of the first people I reached out to. I thought, you know, this is someone I know who's got uh, some clout. Let's get this guy on the show. He knows what he's talking about. I'm right, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you'll have to hold me to that after our discussions today and see how I fare. I, I do know you're, you're uh, getting over a little bit of a cold uh, type thing or sore throat. So, uh, you know, uh, for our listeners out there, if Chris sounds a little hoarse every so often, you know, uh, let, let's uh, give him a little slack here and uh, forgive him for that. Um. So, Chris, uh, how about uh, you tell us something about yourself, you know, how you got into business continuity and um, exactly what you're doing and how you actually became uh, the president of uh, BCI Canada? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Alex. It's, uh, you know, it's always interesting, I find, in the industry when you talk to people, the diverse paths that everyone uh, has, has mm-hmm. followed to get into uh, their roles with their organizations. And uh, I started, I'm dating myself now, but I, I started in the industry <laughs> in my first full-time role in business continuity planning back in 2003. And it was uh, an interesting year to get started in the industry because uh, we had things in the Toronto area here uh, with SARS that we were responding to. We had the, the black, blackout that happened on the eastern seaboard, and there was a variety of events that came in. And uh, it was a running joke for my organization on whether or not I was uh, – <laughs> Uh, whether or not I was a blessing or a curse with the creation of the role. <laughs> so at the time that it played out, um, 
I've been involved, you know, in a number of industries. I've been fortunate enough over my career. So uh, my background in planning has carried over from starting in a retail environment um, to working in the banking industry for a while before having a, uh, an opportunity to run a North American program in energy, as well as I've been working on financial services. And my most recent organization involves insurance. And, uh, you know, uh, which it, it really, as I explain that and talk it through, it really shows about how interesting our field can be. Because if you mm-hmm. get involved in the fundamentals of business continuity, it's skill sets that are transferable um, to, a, you know, a wide variety of organizations. Well, it's and interesting. I think, I've never met anyone who's come from the retail side before. So oh, that's, really? That's, that's interesting. Yeah. So, uh yeah, it happened. I, I, I started out, actually fell into uh, the role, having been involved with uh, uh, areas of the company uh, with a large Canadian retailer uh, that was in, um, involved with and responsible for resources protection for the organization. So you had security, health and safety, environmental programs, and emergency response were all, all part of the mandate. And I'd worked throughout Ontario in a number of roles and had uh, worked myself into actually a secondment at the headquarters of the organization with their internal audit department. And at the Mm. time, they had started to transition into a regulated environment, um, becoming a bank, and had a a number of different uh, regulatory requirements that were coming out, and they had started to pursue business continuity planning and their program with external resources. And they quickly learned that they needed to have internal resources to manage for longevity and to work mm-hmm. with the internal stakeholders uh, on the program. And I was fortunate enough to be timing was right and uh, opportunity came and, and off I went on the career path. So is how I originally started and, you know, down the path into my career. So how did BCI Canada come into the play? Great question. Um, early on, it was probably in my second uh, full year in, in business continuity after uh, starting planning and, and working on, uh, you know, independently on a lot of the efforts, uh, planning efforts within my organization, I, I started reaching out looking for what was available in the community. And um, early on, I got involved and I, I managed to find a local business continuity institute forum here in the greater Toronto area. And it started off with just uh, becoming a member. I started off and pursued as as an associate member uh, within the Institute and started attending local forum meetings, which proved really valuable for me. Uh, Being a newcomer to the industry helped me get uh, connected to people that had been, um, you know, further along with their careers and had experienced experienced planners and that have been involved in responding to numerous incidents. And uh, the networking really paid dividends for me. And uh, it started off just from an attendance perspective. And then I I started to get involved volunteering. Um, Volunteering with the BCI started off from just helping organize the forum events to going out and helping promote the the Institute, also getting involved with presentations on a number of fronts and sharing information at the forum events. And uh, it just took off from there to uh, further to different steps uh, of volunteering from uh, helping with the forums to the lead, you know becoming a leader of a forum, and I'm in my second term right now as the Canadian chapter president, and uh, you know it's it's just been I've been really fortunate to uh, have the opportunity to to work with such great people in the industry, and uh, you know if you've 
hesitant or you're wondering about the benefits of membership, um, you know, there, there's numbers of op- there's a number of options out there in the industry. I, I'd encourage everyone, though, to take the step and actually try to get out and participate and meet and talk to people, not just go and attend and, and watch what's going on, but try to um, you know, share learnings and talk to people about their experiences because it can go a long way. And you never know where the le- networking will lead to help you with uh, both you from a career perspective as well as having resources you can leverage and reach out to if there's large-scale regional events. Because inevitably, wherever you are, whatever industry you're in, someone's going to be asking you about what, what's happening with uh, across the street or within our competitors' space or you know, in dealing with mm-hmm. similar situations. And with all the various backgrounds, like yourself mentioning retail, there's so many different new little pieces or little ideas that you can learn and take back you know, to, to your own uh, employee employees or your, your organization or your community, whatever it may be, you know, because we do, we all come from so many different backgrounds, like you said. Absolutely. Um, it's such a, you know, it, I find it very interesting, the work we do, um, because there's so much you can learn from the sharing with other organizations and, and professionals and practitioners that you interact with. Um, you know, there's so many different industries you can get involved with where it's interchangeable, but it's also the footprint, depending upon whatever space you're doing planning for, can be so diverse. Um, Mm -hmm. Planning for distribution centers, for call centers, data centers, offices, if you're dealing with store locations or power plants or all kinds of different dynamics that you can be getting into and then, uh, you know, establishing plans for, you know, what's the first step? How are we going to respond and how are we going to continue on whatever activities that are key to your organization when you're in, you know, times of disruption? Right. And if you've got a good network and, you know, you attend BCI forums or or some forum out there and, and talk to different people, they may each have a different idea, but then you can draw from each one something a little different to create something that works for you. So, you know, there is a lot of benefits to the to to being a part of BCI Canada or, you know, some other forum, you know. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, sometimes it can seem a little intimidating if you're going out to a group where you haven't participated. And I, I think the, uh, you know, the biggest benefit or the mindset that people have to have in, in trying to get involved in any industry activity is that everyone brings something something to the table. Um, the veteran, you know, practitioners that are closing in on retirement have the experience from their, their, their the, the depth of knowledge over their careers. Uh, you might have people that are in the middle of their careers that have, you know, um, seen a lot of different things. But even the newcomers, I find it very exciting when we can get into where uh, we have students or people that are new into the field or just uh, getting started on their path of planning can bring a lot to table and uh, you know it, continuous learning is a key aspect as we strive to make sure our plans are are kept ready and that we're constantly reviewing requirements the the learning never stops and there's always different ways you can approach things in 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 preparing identifying requirements establishing strategies executing plans and uh you know ex- uh, exercising to maintain your state of readiness no, I agree with you. I, I had a chat a little while ago with uh, a new practitioner, and um, you know they, they I guess they would be what you would classify a millennial. So they were talking, and everything they were talking about was all this new social media and how to manage all this new stuff. And I was sitting there going, 
wow, you know, I'm one of these old dogs, you know, so, you know, hearing all these new ideas, we're just like, wow, that's great. You know, this is fantastic. So you're right. You know, it doesn't matter if you're new or an, an old dog, everyone brings something to the table. Yeah, and social media is really a, you know, an interesting, you know, some might say disruptor, but it, it's really a, a key piece of the puzzle that uh, can be prove really valuable to practitioners. Uh, I was watching Twitter feeds actually earlier today, keeping an eye on something that we were dealing with. I had the same experience where um, someone uh, that I, I linked up with uh, for the uh, recently at an industry event actually started me on the path of using WhatsApp and leveraging that from a communications perspective in certain situations to keep in touch within the community. And it, it's really, as you look at things that, that, you know, the old school perspectives of, you know, while, while the younger generation looks at Facebook and Twitter and, you know, n now we're, you know, dealing with expanded LinkedIn. But, I mean, there's so many feeds that you can be involved with and how where you get the information, it's important that you don't dismiss something just because you're not familiar with it. They're key aspects right. for us as we're researching and trying to address planning. They're fabulous resources um, to see what's happening from a response perspective if you're dealing with a live incident. And it also shrinks the world for you so that uh, geographical borders and uh, you know time zones aren't as big of an impact from a planning perspective And if you leverage these tools. I, I like your comment about, uh, you know, don't dismiss um, anything because you may hear an idea that may not apply to you and you can't do anything with it. But, you know, a year down the road, it may, may apply and you say, hey, I, I have an idea for that. You know, and it could be something that you heard a year before. So that that's a good comment to make. Yeah, the the, the learning's constant. And then the, the other thing is the, the training and awareness, right, that you've got to bring back to your communities that you're, you're trying to prepare. And uh, the work is never done. I think, you know, as we go through the cycles of going through it and, uh, you know, keep trying to fight the, the mindset of if there's project methodology, while there are projects that are occurring within programs, they are repeatable. And, you know, it follows going back mm -hmm. to, you know, the plan, do, check, act, you know, methodology that uh, we get right. into, which is uh, definitely fundamental for, uh, you know, most programs. That's right. So let, let's uh, get back to BCI Canada a little bit. What are the uh, objectives of BCI Canada? As you're the president, I would assume you have some, you know, goals and objectives for the organization to move it forward. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, if we go at the highest level for it, um, you know, it's, the mantra that we're, you know, communicating is we're, we're trying to promote a more resilient world. And there's a lot of different ways we can do that. Um, there's the Institute's been uh, looking at how we can build partnerships uh, to work collaboratively, collaboratively together uh, in industry, in geographic regions, um, private and public sector um, to enable and prepare, you know, the population and, and businesses to respond and work collaboratively um, should a large-scale event happen, should business disruption be encountered. Um, the BCI, you know, is, is front and center with that, established in 94. Um, we are going back with it. It, does, it is a longstanding institution that, while it came out of the United Kingdom, is actually, uh, last time I checked, the membership was actually uh, more than 50% of the man, uh, membership uh, was global. And uh, that's really a testament to the consumption that's going on and, the, you know, the, uh, uh, the audience that's looking for information in this space. Um, mm -hmm. The BCI is not-for-profit, 
and uh, we've established, you know, a network of over 8,000 members internationally in over 100 countries. And in, in areas where we have larger concentrations of membership, we've established chapters. So there are nine chapters worldwide, and I am fortunate enough to be able to represent uh, the Canadian space for that. And actually, recently, I was um, honoured to have been elected, actually, uh, to the global BCI board um, to further, you know, uh, contribute to the institute on a more go on a global scale and not just on the Canadian side. So now, does that double your workload? <laughs> uh, yeah, you, well, that's to be, you know, that's for you know, speculation, <laughs> but it does make things a little bit more busy uh, in the grand scheme of things. I do know from a Canadian perspective, if I talk about the chapter mandate, really what we're trying to do is further things on a local level. So collaboration is key. So how can we collaborate with other like-minded um, organizations and institutions, but also how can we partner with um, other industries and associations that are outside of our field where there's overlap. And that's a, a fundamental for us as you're, you're, you're working on collaboration. There's so much crossover with risk management, emergency management, your health and safety, your facilities groups, the communications groups, if you're large enough of an organization to have that. Um, the information security space and cyber risk is obviously top of mind, and there's so much inter you know, intertwined with what you're doing to plan to protect and respond to cyber events. Well, obviously, the business uh, plans and strategies have to line up to that. There's a lot of consideration there. So mm -hmm. we, on the Canadian side, within the chapter, are trying to promote planning and resiliency overall and uh, support any activities that are occurring uh, within the Canadian market and hopefully grow membership and grow the amount of interaction within the community. And uh, that crosses over to help promote professional practices, building out our communities. While we at the chapter level um, are, are focused on the national, we also have regional forums in Canada, in British Columbia, in Saskatchewan, in the greater Toronto area, like I mentioned, and also in Quebec. And we're constantly looking to expand that footprint if there's interest so that we can uh, bring practitioners together and help further planning in whichever area um, there might be interest. But all those chapters uh, in Canada, as an example, they're, they're kind of linked, right? They're all aiming for the same thing you know, under the umbrella of BCI. They're not all just going in their own direction, correct? Absolutely. And how our chapter is formed is our, our chapter leadership is actually built out of the forum leadership. So um, the forum leaders uh, from each of those areas is how you become uh, a, a member of the chapter leadership and have representation on the national scale. Oh, okay. Well, we've come to the end of our first segment. We're going to talk more about the BCI uh, Canada. Uh, as soon as we come back from our break, we're talking with Chris Horn, the president of the Business Continuity Institute Canada. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest 
show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Today we're talking with Chris Horn, the president of the Business Continuity Institute Canada. Uh, Chris, before, uh, in our first segment, we were talking about BCI Canada can you talk uh, a little bit about um, you know membership benefits and uh, you know some of the current initiatives that uh, you're working on and uh, a little bit about the certification that uh, people might have questions out about absolutely um, you know I one of the fundamental things about the BCI that I find um, uh, fantastic and why I've, I've kept with it and volunteered and gotten so involved is is how over the course of your career you can grow with the Institute so they have a membership scheme that uh, you know um, accounts for where you might be from a career perspective, and uh, you can join at different levels, uh, starting off as an affiliate or a student member, um, just to gain access to material. Um, if you can come and to be a, a member from pursuing a diploma in the BCI through some of the educational institutions that are, are partnered with the institute, um, you can take courses or just choose to. Uh, obtain access to our good practices guidelines and write our certificate exam, um, which would provide you with entry-level membership um, to start your path. And then for people that are more seasoned and have established experience, um, you can grow from an associate member of the Institute to member status, associate fellow and fellow status. And, And all of these steps and tiers provide you with different access of resources. It acknowledges where you are with your career because you need to meet certain criteria and experience or contributions to the industry as you flow through uh, your, your 
program and process in, in establishing uh, your credentials. Overall, from a membership perspective, benefits are vast. Um, you know, you have access to training and education materials. Um, you have a way to leverage to uh, promote your continuous professional development in the industry. I talked a lot a little earlier about networking and the opportunities through the forums and the chapters that have been involved. Uh, we have a mentoring program, so if you're part and a member of the BCI, you can reach out and actually request to get um, access or assigned a mentor. You can go onto the website through our portal and look for current members that are willing to and looking for mentees um, so that you could get paired up to have a, a, someone to leverage to help you as you're pursuing any challenges from a planning perspective. There's a lot of thought leadership that's also involved and available to our members. Research papers are put out throughout the year on various topics, um, horizon scans on threats that are coming, supply chain risks uh, come into play, communication strategies, information security and cyber risks are all been covered on recent topics of uh, research. You have access to periodicals, so the magazine of the Business Continuity Institute was just rebranded, and there's uh, Continuity and Resilience is the new format that's been put out. And the spring edition that just actually came out is available through the BCI website, actually, uh, for this introductory um, magazine. Uh, we've made it available to non-members, and then as part of your membership, you receive that on an ongoing basis. There's also access to webinars. Uh, different forums and publications that come out for, throughout the year, and just a lot of ways that you can get involved and access to material. And, and from an events perspective coming up that we're looking at from a, a promotion perspective, well, you mentioned the Continuity and Resilience Today conference here in Toronto that we're supportive, and it's a collaborative effort uh, with the DRI Canada and the Disaster Recovery Information Exchange. Uh, the BCI Canada is proud in the global office to, to partner with these organizations to promote planning uh, with WCDM and support our practitioners locally as well as the global audience that comes into play. Um, we have, as part of that event on the Tuesday, um, at the start of the, uh, uh, the conference, uh, we're actually going to be conducting a workshop on our good practices guidelines on the 29th. Uh, it's available on the morning. And uh, preceding that, actually, uh, before we get to that conference, we've also got the Business Continuity Awareness Week, which is coming up May 14th to the 18th, which will have a lot of events going on. And we actually have a local Toronto event here planned for May 15th, where we're going to have a launch of a resiliency manifesto and uh, bring the community together to talk about planning. And for our listeners out there, I just want I want to back Chris up and, and say that you know, the BCI uh, Canada or BCI in general, they really do have all of these, um, you know, services and materials that are available. I've been a longstanding member for quite some time, and they really do have all this information. It's not just, um, you know, smoke, you know, people just kind of saying this is what the benefits are, and then you never see it. They really do have this information there. You know, and it's I I still reference it even after all these years. You know, to to get new ideas and things like that. So I recommend everyone go out there and take a look um, at the website. Um, what is it? It's uh, thebci.org. Correct. Yeah. 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 Take a look. Um, it, it's well worth the, the the look. That's for sure. Um, Chris, you've mentioned the GPGs, the Good Practice Guidelines. 
Now, what is that? I'm sure so, many listeners out there are kind of going, well, what is that? What does that mean? Yeah. So what are it, those? It's, uh, it's one of the... That, you know, it's one of the fundamental resources that you have access to as a member of the Institute. And really, the GPG stands for the Good Practices Guidelines. And it's a comprehensive view of thinking on business continuity. It's a resource that is put out by the Institute. It's written by professionals in the industry. And it's a body of knowledge that you can leverage for your own benefit as you develop your programs. And it's also, it's tried and tested in that it's been developed by practitioners, but it's also in use for training within the Institute, uh, but also educational institutions. It's aligned to industry standards, uh, so uh, things like ISO 22301, uh, and really it, it's a really important resource because it, it doesn't just go through what to do, but it talks about why and how and when you should be uh, approaching certain aspects of planning. And uh, it's exciting for us in that we just uh, refreshed the good practices guidelines at the end of um, last year in November. We actually introduced the kickoff of our 2018 edition of the good practices guidelines. So the previous version had been out in 2013, and it's been refreshed after an 18-month review building on our previous version. And it's... uh, you know, it, it involved 60 people in 12 countries in different sectors um, to bring about and talk about, um, you know, how things are evolving, not just influenced by the new standards and changes to standards that are in place, but also the changing mindset on resiliency. And, you know, one of the fundamental things on the, on the life cycle perspective is looking at, you know, uh, the overall program you might be running and how you do analysis, how you design your program how you implement it, how do you validate it, and how do you embed it within your organization with all the internal and external stakeholders that you have to work with so that you can be effective in, uh, in preparing whatever your organization is, whichever industry you're within, um, so that uh, should something happen, uh, you've got a strong foundation that you can leverage and you'll know how to, you know, how to respond. So based on what you said, it sounds like the uh, GPGs take a what a standard would say and put some more meat on the bones. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's leveraging the, you know, the experience of the practitioners that are involved. It, it works through, you know, um, different sections where we cover off, you know, policy and program management. Um, in the embedding perspective, uh, the analysis and design and implementation and validation, like I mentioned, but it, it gets into the substance over not just from a, a standards perspective of uh, the, the thou statements or shall, uh, but the, it truly mm-hmm. does get into the why and talks about different dynamics on how things can be approached. Because if you've spent some time and crossed over into different organizations, and had that experience in different industries or in different professional environments, you quickly realize that uh, foundationally we are all doing the same thing, but um, one size does not fit all, and there's different ways you can approach it by still maintaining um, a strong foundation and consistency from a planning perspective. That's very true. One approach does not you know, work in every single industry and in every organization or every community, whatever it may be. That's very true. And you answered a question I was going to ask you is what's the difference between, you know, the standards that are out there and the GPGs? 
And you kind of answered that. Yeah, it's also the other consideration, too, is it's trying to bring together the different standards. Um, So, you know, when you see references, uh, there's things like the terms of uh, the terminology, the glossary of terms that are in place um, within the document uh, assists with that. And then it's cross-referenced with multiple standards and international requirements that are in play. So this this all leads to, you know, um, just helping you guide you along the path as you pursue your planning efforts. And and that's terminology, as you mentioned. That's kind of, um, I know I've been to different places, and I'm sure you have. Different terms mean something different. So being able to bring all that together into one uh, cohesive unit will get us all speaking the same language and people understanding what we're actually saying. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, And it also allows flexibility with different methods and techniques. Um, and different ways of approaching things. And uh, you're absolutely right. Terminology, uh, having worked in a number of different geographical regions, it, it is amazing on how um, diverse we can be and how things have evolved in different marketplaces from, uh, you know, the basics over, um, you know, use of business continuity, use of disaster recovery, business resiliency, business recovery, uh, continuity of operations. Um, There's so many different dynamics that, uh, depending upon where you reside, what industry you're in, what sector you're in, will influence that. And uh, uh, But the bottom line is, foundationally, we're all pursuing the same thing. And uh, this this is a strong foundation with the 2018 Good Practices Guidelines Edition that uh, I'd encourage anyone that's a member to go out and get or get more information on and explore, uh, you know, as through our website with the BCI.org. Uh, you also have opportunities through training, like things like the workshop I mentioned that's happening in, in advance of the Continuity and Resilience Conference here in Toronto. Um, we are doing a workshop where as part of that, it's not just a review of the document, you would actually get copies of and learn more about every aspect of that as part of the workshop. So uh, so the conference is not just showing up and sitting there and listening to a bunch of people talk. There's yeah. more to it. <laughs> well, there can be, so if you choose to. And that's why yeah. uh, workshops that are typically built out before and after a conference, if you have the opportunity to attend and participate, I'd encourage it because, uh, you know, the, the learning space is ongoing and uh, also offers just another opportunity to network and, uh, you know, meet more peers. That's true. Uh, I have a question about the GPGs because you mentioned that it had, you know, dozens of countries and I think 60 people, I think, were mm-hmm. involved or something. What were the challenges in putting those together? Because I know in our first segment, we were talking about so much uh, diversity, you know, Mm -hmm. and and backgrounds. What were some, you know, we've got a couple of minutes, uh, two minutes left in this segment. What were some of the uh, challenges that you you must have encountered challenges putting these together? Yeah, well, in in fairness, I'm not, I I wasn't involved in the volunteer space for the good practices guidelines um, for this refresh, but I do know in in speaking to the fact that we had 60 volunteers in the 12 countries participate, there are all kinds of challenges that can come into play. Um, Terminology can be critical. 
So, uh, you know, as you get into different marketplaces and meanings or perceptions uh, from a wording perspective, logistics are challenging because you're not going to be necessarily bringing together a global audience from 12 countries together where there's one time slot that's going to be ideal for everyone. So uh, planning meetings can cross over with that. Um, but the, you know, the, the benefit of having our, you know, this established guidelines in place and, and having the refresh that's been supported and worked through the Institute is that uh, it's constantly being pursued to be improved and leveraged. And uh, that's a testament to the global office and their efforts. You know, as a, a not-for-profit, it's a huge undertaking to get into, uh, you know, something of, of such detail. Uh, you're, you're talking about, a, you know, a, a reference uh, guidelines that's over 100 pages that has significant, uh, you know, information that's evolved over, you know, numbers of iterations, and it's evolved from different um, different standards, influenced mm -hmm. by different standards and guidelines throughout the way from a global scale. It would have been fun to be a fly on the wall listening to some of those meetings with all the differing uh, <laughs> opinions and points of view and terminology. That would have been yeah, fun, now, I'm sure. <laughs> and the other thing is, it's another way you can get involved. So, you know, from yep. a, a membership perspective, uh, the BCI is always looking for volunteers at all levels. And so while, you know, there, it's a diverse group that gets involved to contribute to all of this, and uh, you would not be dismissed being a newcomer to the industry because your viewpoint would be refreshing because we need to make sure it's not just, well, we're trying to, the, the Institute is trying to cater to all levels of knowledge. So newcomers, uh, you know, to, you know, people that to seasoned veterans within the industry that have been involved with planning, we need to make sure we cover this off adequately. Uh, for mm -hmm. everyone. Yep. And uh, we've come to the end of our second segment. We're talking with Chris Horn, the president of the B Business Continuity Institute Canada, and we'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to the show. We're talking with Chris Horn from BCI Canada. And we've been talking about uh, the organization itself and the good practice guidelines, which I recommend everyone go and have a look at. And Chris, now I'm going to draw on your uh, lengthy experience and all your knowledge and let's go through some planning tips and some uh, ideas you have for uh, practitioners that are out there, you know, things that you've learned that uh, sometimes maybe people forget or things they should, you know, may want to consider, you know, as they uh, either build their programs or want to make it more robust, you know. What what kind of uh, tips and ideas do you have for our listeners out there, and, and yeah. experiences if you're if you're able to to leverage you know experiences? Yeah, I'd uh, you know there's a lot of different ways you can go about planning. I like to speak to a collaboration, not just on from an industry perspective and interacting with other groups, but also as you're thinking about if you're in a small, medium, or large organization, you need to collaborate from a planning perspective, and you're going to have different challenges. Um, and you might have a mandate that might not have uh, control or oversight of all aspects of planning, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't be a consideration for how you're going to work together during an event. And from a planning perspective, I like to always uh, structure under four planning pillars. So, And they follow the flow of actual the, the sequence of events that can happen during an incident. So starting off with emergency response which first and foremost, you always have to be taking care of life safety and your people. So how are you going to mm-hmm. coordinate if a situation comes about, you know, and you've got any of the unfortunate circumstances being able to, uh, having to respond to an emergency situation, whether it be a fire, whether it be a workplace issue uh, with, uh, you know, active shooter, whether it be a natural disaster. Do you know how you're going to coordinate? Do you know how you're actually going to communicate amongst yourselves during those Mm -hmm. circumstances to find out if people are okay, to pass on messages on how you're going to be responding? Key key component um, that, you know, may or may not be part of a mandate as you're working through it, and it might not even be something from a planning consideration for within your organization, depending upon its size. That coordination, you might need to consider how you're going to interact with emergency services external to you. If fire department Mm -hmm. is is arriving, if emergency services with ambulance or police are responding to an event in your area or within your location, how are you going to interact with them? Do you have any idea? Have you followed up and considered that? If you get away from emergency response and you're in a fortunate situation to be able to stabilize and you've accounted for your staff, 
and things are okay, you get into a situation where you need to make decisions. And that's for larger organizations where you get into corporate incident management or crisis management plans. So considering how you're going to do the command and control and who makes what decisions, you know, on larger organizations, it gets more complicated. It's easier for, you know, um, small and medium-sized businesses. But a consideration that I always challenge people at in the small and medium space is, do you know what happens if you can't reach somebody that is typically is the decision maker within your organization? Mm-hmm. Who's the next person to reach out for? Who has authority to, you know, do whatever needs to be taken care of or access to funds or um, has the relationships to help support a response? And whether it be crisis management or incident management at this stage, you know, one of the biggest decisions is do we have any alternatives or what are we going to do to try and limit the impact, the financial impact, the reputational impact, um, you know, if there's, you know, if you're in a situation where you might be uh, regulatory exposures, how do you, you limit that and, and work effectively? And, and typically for larger organizations, it's by activating pre-established strategies, uh, whether that be on your operations and your business planning uh, for your departments and how your people are going to go to alternate locations or how you're going to divert work um, or how are you going to uh, manually you know, um, continue certain processes. Um, these are all factors that can come in from an operational level. And then on the, on the technical side, we are becoming more and more of an automated society and uh, dependent on technology. So what's your strategies for disaster recovery if your infrastructure fails? Key components as you think through the four pillars, uh, but emergency response, incident or crisis management, business recovery, disaster recovery, you've got to consider all aspects or you, you, you could be um, setting yourself up for some challenging times uh, should a large-scale event hit. Do you have any preference? I know you went through the four pillars, you know, and, and emergency response usually comes first. Depending on the situation, do you, when you're planning, uh, is there any target you go to first? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you have a, a you know a good sized company, a client that you're dealing with, you know, first of all, you know they could be saying, uh, you know, we need to focus on ABC, while you're saying, well, not necessarily, we need to focus on XYZ first. Do you have any preference on where you you want to start and push people to where where to start or or you know, or, or do you just take their lead and say, okay, fine, that's where we'll start? Well, it's a great question. And uh, my preference, and I, I've always worked to focus on uh, the initial stages. So first and foremost, life safety. doesn't matter where you're looking at from an industry standards perspective. Um, you know, you'll always see life safety first for any of our practitioners out there that mm-hmm. you'd be you're looking at. And then the coordination and communication afterwards on that side. So take care of the people first. Make sure they're safe and accounted for. I like to focus on the uh, the incident and crisis management at the corporate level for larger organizations because um, regardless of where you're at from a planning perspective, you're going to have to deal with and make sure you can bring the right people together with the right authority to make decisions regardless of where, what level of preparation you're at or maturity for your program. So you take mm-hmm. care of the people, you make sure you can coordinate at time of with your leadership to make the decisions that might be necessary. And But you, I don't want to dismiss your operations and your business plans and your disaster recovery plans for your infrastructure have to be working in tandem. 
The reality mm-hmm. is, though, those are a lot more big-ticket items with different planning considerations and usually higher expense. So they sometimes can take a little longer to implement, uh, depending upon what challenges you're facing planning-wise. I'm going to pick your brain on the crisis management. Uh, with the teams, you know, organizations that create the crisis management teams, a lot of times it's done simply because you're the vice president of this area, you're in charge of this. What's your thought? You know, it, do you want the, the people with the knowledge and the authority or the title in the roles? Well, you want the right people with the right demeanor and the authority to actually that'll, you know, keep level heads as they, you know, as the situation might be unfolding, uh, could be quite stressful. And sometimes you don't, you won't even realize that until time of event or you won't understand the personalities of your senior team until the, uh, you've run a full blown exercise. That being said, there's a parallel in place here from an operations perspective that, you know, your senior leaders, while they have the authority and you need them to be involved with command and control, they're also the stakeholders that are going to drive your program with your operational planning, with your business Mm -hmm. recovery plans and the department-level plans. So if you can line it up correctly, um, you have them with the leadership role and perspective, but you also have the ownership from the, the the, the more granular plans and an effective program will be able to give them visibility into their level of preparedness for their area of the organization. And it makes it more meaningful, not just from a, a, a command and control perspective, but also uh, from, you know, the area's responsibilities and level of preparedness. And, and in, in that, is that when, you know, the right people start coming out of the, I don't want to say the woodwork, but start coming out to, you know, to, to say that, you know, this is what we need. You know what? This is the best person. It's not me. You know, th- this is the best person who should be doing that that role. Yeah, sometimes it can. I, th- I think the, the reality is it's through exercise and trial, you know, or mm-hmm. through actual incident response, you're really going to learn through that. A bottom line for me is to always be focusing on, you know, making sure uh, there's strategies in place to deal with the, you know, the typical scenarios you're going to be facing from a business disruption perspective. So, you know, historically, you know, loss of sight is a big focus because what happens if, you know, that's something people can easily get their minds around. If there's a fire or you lose your, your access to your site, um, you know, is the most typical from a preparation perspective. A technology, obviously, from going to mainframes to data internal data centers, and now out into the cloud. There's been different, you know, layers too, and uh, dynamics from planning from a technology perspective. But we've always, you know, for quite some time, been planning for technology disruption and what the next steps are. Uh, mm-hmm. Workforce disruptions are front and center from the you know perspective of you can get anything from a, a labor dispute to you can get into things like a pandemic, like I mentioned earlier, like we encountered here in Toronto in 2003 with SARS. Regardless right, of the yeah. cause of any of these types of events, we need to be prepared. And in addition to those three, the most prominent one that's coming up is as, as we globalize more in the world, um, but you know we have to consider supply chain failures. Uh, and as we, if we outsource functions or services or support, 
we have to be considering, you know, who we're, uh, who we're engaging, if they're further outsourcing, where they're located, uh, because it can be, as much as it's a very large world, it can be very small. And when you start watching uh, global impacts and incidents that are happening, that while they might seem geographically quite separated from you, there might be cascading impacts depending upon where your supply chain resides and where they're, what they leverage to ser- provide you services. That's true. I remember, uh, was it a couple of years ago, the building that collapsed in uh, Bangladesh were making clothes for uh, Loblaws, um, the George brand, I think it was, or, or Joe Fresh brand, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, that building collapse over in Bangladesh all of a sudden was a crisis for Loblaw over here. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great example on how, uh, you, you know, how things can quickly change overnight. And uh, you really, it's supply chain governance and oversight and also alignment of plans and capabilities. If you rely on a service in a certain time frame, have you validated or done any concurrent exercises with them to provide assurance so that uh, their plans actually line up with your time requirements? Yeah, that's an often uh, forgotten component of bringing in those other groups, you know, from external sources into your plans, because they they've got the same expectations you probably have, and it's all built on assumptions, right? <laughs> and you'll do this, and meanwhile you have no idea what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah, so that's we, why it's always found foundational trust but verify, right? Yep. <laughs> so we're down to our last couple of minutes. Uh, Chris, um, are there any closing comments you'd like to say about BCI Canada or the upcoming conference or, or uh, you know, BCP in general? Um, my biggest thing is, you know, uh, for anybody that's hesitant out there or, or thinking about getting involved with, uh, you know, the BCI, um, come out. Uh, you can get information on our forums uh, on the website at thebci.org. Uh, you don't have to be a member to come out as a visitor. So if you wanted to look up your local forum, uh, wherever you are listening from, uh, we do have global forums uh, that you'd be able to leverage. And even if you, one isn't close to you, um, the closest one to you or uh, it, within your time zone uh, might have some virtual events that you might be able to participate in. And we're always in, in trying to promote and being a not-for-profit, uh, visitors are welcome um, to get a feel for it see if uh, we might be able to work together. And if not, make some contacts and learn more about the industry and how people are uh, pursuing planning in your area. And I know many of those forums have uh, conference bridges too when they do have their meetings. So you know, if you're not near one, you can call in you know, to listen in, in that regard and find out yeah. what's going on. Absolutely. So um, I'd like to thank uh, you, Chris, for joining us. I know it's been a while to get you on the show, but I finally got you here, and I'm quite happy uh, that uh, you were able to make it. Um, congratulations on your uh, promotion to the BCI board now. You know, um, hopefully your workload does not double. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations on that promotion. Uh, I'm sure it's a well-deserved uh, award for you. Well, thank you very much. And it's, it's, you know, I think the biggest thing that I have is, is I was elected by the volunteer community. And I think, uh, you know, I, I believe in volunteering my time to this. It's a great cause. And, uh, you know, the Institute is doing so much work to try and further planning and resiliency um, globally. You know, if, if anyone is interested, I would encourage them to spend some time and volunteer because uh, it can be very rewarding. And it's uh, proved very uh, valuable to me over my career. Well, I recommend it to everybody. Thanks again, Chris. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, if there's anything you want us to talk about, please get in touch with me. 
And don't forget the conference in May in Toronto, May 29th to 31st, CRT conference, Continuity and Resilience Today. And in the meantime, stay prepared, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.